well. I'm WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Great to be back live in studio after a weekend off here as we get ready to make financial sense with our good friend uh, Merle Kelch, who is getting the headphones on right now and is joining us live in studio. We're ready. as well. Actually, first off, I should introduce myself. By the way, uh, uh, good morning. Thank you for being here. I am uh, WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. Nice to meet you. Hi. Good to meet you. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a while indeed. Uh, but yes, we were both off last week uh, for the holidays. Uh, we had some planned weeks off in the middle there as well. But yeah, I was we, running around in the woods. Mm-hmm, indeed. Actually, I believe it was you. You did. Was it? I got a picture from you last weekend. Was it? Did you find the hoed egg or was that Bigfoot that you found? <laughs> it was my brother. Oh. He looks like Bigfoot. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> okay. See here, I thought I thought I was never going to see you again because you had actually found Bigfoot, and now you know you were going to cash in. You know and, the thing is, retire. if I ever found Bigfoot, I'd ask him how he's doing because he's going to clearly be related to me. <laughs> There's, there'll be no no doubt about that. That'll be the case. Seven one five eight four five two one five five is the number to call if you've got questions for Merle. Again, uh, Merle is live in studio today as we are ready to uh, to make financial sense here. And, uh, you know, I was reading a couple of things uh, this week regarding interest rates. Uh, obviously, nothing's changed right now. Nothing's changed for a couple of months there. But we're starting to see some prognosticators who think that uh, dips in interest rates are certainly coming next year. May not be significant, but it, it'll certainly be a decline at some point as we look forward to 2024. You know, what's interesting about this, and in fact, there's a, a mountain of articles out there on, on marketwatch.com. And, um, and and the thing is that, in fact, there's a title of an article, and, and um, I wasn't going to get to this article yet, but I'm going to use the, the, the headline of the article because it's that good. It says, the down years um, record high because traders are calling the bluff on higher for longer with the Fed. It's an article by Joy Wilthermuth. I think I got his name right. Or Joey. Yeah, Joey. There we go. So, so in here, you know, the biggest thing in the investment world is don't fight the Fed. And guess why? Because the Fed doesn't care about your rumors or what you think mm-hmm. or what's a good feeling or if there's uh, rainbows and unicorns at the end of the, the thing in a pot of gold. They don't care. They're going to look at what the economic data is. And so Federal Powell, yeah, Federal Powell, let's try this again. Where's my coffee, by the way? Um, so Chairman Powell had said yesterday that he said, you know, we're not going to uh, rule out interest rate hike yet this year, which they're meeting on the 13th or 12th and the 13th of this year being the Federal Reserve. So so with that being the case, you know, I, I think we're somewhat premature, though the bond marketplace is pointing towards interest rates dropping within the next year and a 97 possibility in the polls, 97 probability inside of the polls going out when interest rates can change. That'll be midtime next year. I don't. I don't know. I'm not betting for that. Um, though there's some, some articles that are out there and some things we can do and all that kind of stuff. We'll get into that as part as some articles will pop up. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I just think don't bet on the interest rates dropping. So having a conversation once again this past week with a few people, um, some younger people, you know. Twenty uh, somethings, thirty somethings. Well, we're not going to buy anything until the interest rates get back down to two and three percent. Well, good luck, honey. It's it's just not going to happen. No. Yeah, at least probably not in our lifetimes at all. Mm-hmm. And, and you got a lot more life ahead of you than I do. Well, depends upon how you live it. Uh, I suppose. That's true. But, yeah. You know. But um, but you know, if we look at this, 
you know, we just went through the abnormality of interest rates. The abnormality isn't where the interest rates are now. The abnormality is when it was 2 and 3%. And, and so the probability of that happening again is, is pretty low. In fact, I think that was the first time it happened in about 100 years at that particular rate. Mm-hmm. So, so that being the case, you know, you know, people say, should I buy a house now? And I said, well, are you getting a good price in a house? Well, it came down a bit. Well, then, you know, maybe you should buy the house because the interest rates, if they do come down, you can refinance a little bit later, but right. at least you're getting a good price in a house. Um, so, so a lot of conversations with that, but the, the belief, especially if you're in your thirties out here listening right now, that if you believe that the interest rates are coming back down to 3%, I think you're wrong. Um, history is telling us that that's not going to be the case. We just went through the abnormality. Yeah. And uh, I know, I know a lot of people uh, that are saying this again, are prognosticating, as you said, they're trying to, to beat the fed, which, uh, as you're saying, they're something that you maybe shouldn't, uh, consider doing. But when you talk about the interest rates, uh, as well, uh, coming down, you, you don't want to see them down there at the two and the three percent rate because while that might be good for somebody if you're looking to buy a house, you're looking to buy a car, that also means there's probably a lot of things that are going haywire in the economy and a yeah, lot of yeah. uncertainty. Yeah. So you really you don't want to be rooting for the rates to get down that yeah, low. It's, it's artificially stimulative to the economy. It's making the markets grow faster than it really should and, and can lead to inflation. I'm not saying that's the reason for this pastime, but but it can lead to an inflationary pressure. You know, this really kind of started uh, from, from 2008, maybe even a little bit before. You know, we had the, the great, um, well, great recession. I'm recession, sorry. Recession, yep. Great recession, <laughs> I called it. And so they really kind of started there. You know, we started, started dropping interest rates to get the economy fueled through that. Um, I think it was the right way to do. And then as we're starting to come back a little bit from there, uh, then the pandemic starts to happen. So we go, so, you know, we had, uh, I don't know the exact, but I think we're about 20 years um, are nearing, uh, well, round up and say around 20 years of interest rates being artificially low. Um, you know, we've had some tremendous economic growth in the economy during that period of time, which is fine, but we also let it at the end. We started putting a bunch of corporate cash, I'm sorry, government cash in the system, created a huge amount of inflation. And that's one of the things that occurs. So we got to get it straightened out. And so interest rates right now are about historically where they are or where they should be. Now, if we factor out um, the 80s inflation, which we always, you know, all remember the interest rates being so high then. We take that out historically, we're about four, four and a half percent. So we're a little bit above that. My expectations would be is if the interest rates come back down, we'd be about in that neighborhood in that four and a half or five percent range uh, versus the six plus we are now, let's say, inside of mortgages and other areas. So, so with it, folks, you know, Look for the best price, not the best interest rate on a mortgage or something you're going to borrow, because I don't think we're going to be real far down when the interest rates actually do decrease. 715-845-2155 is the number to call if you have a question for Merle. And uh, I actually did, Merle, but you answered it in there. I was going to put you on the spot and say, where are the interest rate sweet spots and are we there right now? But yeah. you kind of answered it there. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, we're, we're back in tune again, this uh, <laughs> telepathy going back and right. forth between us. Right, yeah. indeed. And again, if you have a question for Merle, feel free to give us a call. He is live in studio today, and we would uh, love to take your calls. As always, our chat is just the filler for your phone calls. We'll be back with more after this here on WSAU. And, of course, online at WSAU.com as well. That's where the podcasts are located. If you ever miss an episode or want to hear something back, you can go there and uh, replay those. The live shows, that is. The best stuffs don't get uh, podcasted. 
those are already podcasted and I just yeah. you know pulled from that. that. Yeah, we did we had a best of last week. Mm-hmm. Uh we actually got to hear from both Merle and Alan during that best well of done. segment. So I uh you know, folks, I'm 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 a hunter in, in mm-hmm. unapologetically. So of course. I made a uh, deer blind for myself. Uh, let me say it. Let me release this. My my main man, Rolf, God bless you, Rolf, he made a deer blind for okay. me because we were so busy throughout September and October. So And he did a, a heck of a job. So um, I had Wi-Fi installed in my deer stand. Okay. Because if you don't have Wi-Fi in your deer stand, what do you do all day? You know. <laughs> right. So so I'm trying to listen to the show, and I couldn't get it to stream right because it wasn't quite working. So now i got to get a better Wi-Fi extender. <laughs> For my deer stand, you know, um, or as my wife calls it, my tree fort. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. so it well, was. That is what so it is. I did not catch the show last week, unfortunately. Okay. But uh, nonetheless, there's an article that's out there by Christine Azalias and Joseph Andolfi. And what's interesting to me is that I see more and more articles happen with these two together. What does that mean? Can we start doing some rumor stuff, like some inquirer things? I'm not okay, really sure. So, yeah. so we're, what we're talking about is yeah. like, uh, you know, this is to the territory of. Will Taylor Swift be in Green Bay this weekend? Yeah, well, exactly. Watch, same same principle. Watch Travis Kelsey. Okay. Anywhere in here, uh, the, the, it's an interesting article because many people don't realize some of the weird stuff that's happened this year. And so I just want to chat about it, and this article kind of addresses a number of them. So the title of the article is The Dow Tops 36,000 as Stocks End with Gains Following Remarks by Fed Powell's S&P 500 Clinches the Highest Close Since March of 22. Um, yes, folks, since March of 22 is the last time we saw 36,000 in the Dow. Mm-hmm. Now, when we're doing reviews for our clients this year, I mean, we're seeing we're seeing some funds that are in their 30s for a rate of return, you know, 32%, 33%. Obviously, we're not going to say which funds that they are, folks. We can't do that here. But we're seeing others. But it tends to be the funds that have a lot of the AI um, uh, types of stuff in your artificial intelligence and so forth. So the tech sector has really been brilliant this year. It really has been good from the beginning of the year to the end. And the Dow has been kind of blah. Now, remember, folks, the Dow was only 30 companies in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Now, the size of those 30 companies is absolutely massive. In fact, the index, if you take the size of the companies inside of the Dow, it's bigger than most countries around the world, uh, those 30 countries, or those 30 stocks. Mm-hmm. But the Dow hasn't done much, and so we've made the joke. It really hasn't been the S&P 500. It's been the S&P 7 and the other 9493. But now we're starting to see the Dow is starting to pick up steam. And what it's doing to the bottom of the portfolio, especially throughout the course of December, um, I'm sorry, November. If you, By the way, if you haven't, if you looked at your October statement and said the thing, world's falling apart, wait till you get your December or November statement. You're going to go, you know, <laughs> Yahtzee, and you're going to start throwing dice and planning mm-hmm. retirement, all that kind of stuff. It's been really good. So we see the Dow, you know, jump up, and it's it's the the, the plus thirty six thousand again. We're back in that range. Uh, the S and P five hundred is just a just a hair from its all time high, you know, from hitting that again too. And so it's driving the marketplaces all again. We're talking about where interest rates going to be. You know, the bluff on the Fed. We don't think they're going to increase. You know, I I I don't like to do that. I like to look at the math, and the math is still okay. Um, I'll have clients say, well, where do you think the market is going? I said, well, I don't care about the market. Let's look at the economy first. And the economy so far is still okay. Uh, myself, as well as many economists, I still think we're going to have a recession. I just don't know what it's going to look like. I don't think we have the great recession from 2008. Um, uh, but I don't think that we have something that's uh, um, it's going to be non-existent. You know, we hear companies and corporations say, we're slowing down. And my next question I have with them is that, are you slowing down below 2019 levels? or two 19,000 to 2019 levels. And so far, most of them are saying two 
2019 levels. And so that kind of goes back to my theory that the slowdown that we're having is coming from the peak when we had to ramp up and fill all of our pipeline and coming back down to some sort of a norm. Um, and so I, I feel we're at this point in time, we're still at that. We're, we're regressing back to a norm in the economy versus the big peak from ramping everything up. Of course, it's going to be considered a recession. I get it. Uh, but but I don't see that it's bad, and maybe that's the fabled soft landing. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if we get there, but I think we do indeed have a recession of some sort. Now, again, to put you on the spot, because uh, I'm the news director, and that's what I do, uh, you mentioned the AI is really the one driving the market and driving some of these funds right now. Now, that I look at that, and that tells me, okay, are we at something like the dot-com bubble? Are we at, say, the uh, craft beer bubble, which some mm-hmm. say has burst yeah. because we've had breweries that have been closing, the ones that don't do it right, the ones that uh, aren't all that great. Well, they're not going to make it. They might cash in for a few months, but if the people aren't coming back to repeat buy, mm-hmm. well, then you're not going to make it because you can sell anything once. It's a matter of are you going to sell it again a second or a third time. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. in that, that being said, how much could you put into or should you put into AI Right now in that Folks, uh, portion if you have, of the tech if you have a 401k or a mutual fund or an investment inside of your 401k or IRA or anything that nature, you're already in AI. It's okay. already happening. So I think there's a big difference in here. I don't think AI is a fad. Um, so let me take a step back and give you my impressions of this. When a company starts out, you come out and you're, you're trying to fledge along. You're trying to get your business built and that whole bit. All of a sudden you get that product or service that takes off and you start growing at almost an exponential growth up, and they call that reaching critical mass. So as a company reaches critical mass, you start hitting at some point in time, and then you mature, and you have to reinvent yourself to come out with new ideas to create another critical mass for growth. And the easiest example from going back to school for this is if you take a um, detergent manufacturer. You have the new um, the new detergent. is the best thing in the world. It smells the best. It makes your clothes the cleanest. To the new detergent with the double X secret ingredient, that's going to make it even whiter. Okay. Uh, and a year later, it's a double secret X wider plus color, you know, so it keeps adding. <laughs> and so so I think, in my opinion, AI is just starting to reach a critical mass. I think we're just starting. Artificial intelligence has been out there for a long time, and you've heard me say it on this program for a long time, folks. But I, I want to say this, for one, hopefully it calms and hopefully it help, understands. Um, I have a lot of clients that come in and think that the Terminator is coming. I said, maybe iRobot's a better movie to watch, you know. <laughs> Um, but, okay. but, you know, so so in here, we've been using artificial intelligence for years. Now it's just starting to get really, really good. You know, so, folks, as you've been picking up your phone and saying, hey, Siri, now your phone's probably blinking. <laughs> um, and you're asking a question, and here goes mine, and we're looking at this right now. Exactly. Um, or you're talking to uh, Amazon and saying, do this and, and mm-hmm. do that, and you're making a note, or you're talking, you're texting your phone. That's all artificial intelligence. But that's a response. So that's a response. You're asking your phone to do something. It's having a response back based upon what you said. It's doing that sort of work. But now it's getting really good in the sense that not only is it coming back with a response, but it's thinking first. And so now those computers that are designing the thinking are designing computers themselves that think faster. And that's where the difference has come over the course of the last few years. And it started out in the gaming sector. And that's the reason we're seeing NVIDIA doing all this work. Um, you know, the gaming sector is completely interactive. I mean, you're doing something inside of the game. The game is taking your response and coming up with another um, uh, way to make it uh, more realistic for you. Now, I'm not a gamer. 
uh, but I can understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in so those chips then, it's not an interaction between you and I in the middle of the game. It's an interaction with everything else to give us a response. And now it's starting to get really, really good. And the person who just has the biggest chips at doing that right now and the biggest adaptability has been NVIDIA. I'm not telling you to go run out by NVIDIA, folks. Mm-hmm. It's gone up some 200% this year. I'd be cautious on whether or not you want to buy, do your homework, talk to your financial advisor. But they started the work on how to do it. And so now you're having other companies that have been a few steps behind starting to come out. You're starting to see AMD coming out with a chip. Intel coming out is, is coming out with a few ideas that are pretty good. Microsoft, um, now the software behind it. So that industry is, in my opinion, in its infancy. Are we going to continue to see the growth like we did last year? Boy, I, I, would, I would think not because it's grown so fast. Um, the companies have to grow their profit into the stock price that now is uh, kind of backwards. But, um, but that industry has driven the markets this year. And now we're starting to see the Dow, which is all the old-fashioned stuff, um, starting to come back and fill in behind. And so portfolios are looking pretty good this year. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy and proud to say that, you know, it's looking pretty good. Next year, eh, we don't know yet. We'll see. But I think AI, to come back to your decision, it's not a fat. Mm-hmm. I think we're just starting to reach critical mass in it. And I think it's just going to get bigger, faster for a longer time. So the biggest takeaway then is be aware of what's going on in this sector and make sure that you have those discussions with your financial advisor about where AI is going. And Well said to summarize, Mike. Yeah, yeah, just just Um, how much you want to invest in that because having, and I'll come back to probably the most basic part of your industry, is having that diversified portfolio and knowing how much risk you want to take in one hot sector or another is uh, going to be key to your financial success. We can actually see inside of when we do reviews with clients and, you know, letting them know how they're doing. We can actually go down the list of, let's say, a dozen or or two dozen different investments within a portfolio. We can actually pick out the funds that have AI inside of them. You can actually see them right on the rate of return. So you're seeing rates of returns of, you know, 17, 18, 20%. um, Absolutely pop it up. You look at what they're investing in. You see AI all over the place. You look at the funds. Um, those that are at lesser percentages, you can see what's on the inside. It's all the old boring stuff. Now, here's the old boring stuff, stuff folks. Profitable large cap companies, <laughs> utilities, you know, companies that make money all the time. Charmin. Because it doesn't have UI, uh, AI in it, it hasn't had that big jump in price from a stock standpoint. I'm not going into anywhere, folks, with whether or not they're profitable or not. And and, and they are at large, okay? But but the AI stuff is just jumping. And, and so you can find the funds that are inside of AI. And if you have anything inside of your portfolio and your 401k and that kind of stuff, you probably already have some AI slash artificial intelligence funds or stocks on the inside of them. It all depends upon um, how much. Um, And why would you have AI? Because you probably had the stocks in those portfolios. If you've had your large cap uh, uh, growth fund um, three years ago or five years ago, it already had the AI in it. It just now took off in price, the AI on the inside. So it's probably funds that have been inside of your or stocks that have been inside of your funds for five years. And now it just finally took off. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you've got a question for Merle, we'll be back with more after this on WSAU. It is 835 on this Saturday morning on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU online at WSAU.com as well as we are making financial sense. Uh, Merle Kelch joining us live in studio. That means if you have a question for Merle, 
go ahead and give us a call at 715-845-2155. We'd be happy to connect you. As uh, Merle, we've we've been looking uh, today at, at some of the economic indicators from the last few weeks. We've had, uh, of course, the indicators that show good news. We had an update on the markets yesterday. Um, I have not checked my 401k yet, but that's just because I uh, like to go on the rule of that is not money for right now, so I don't even look at it. Sometimes it just puts a smile on your face. I it suggest does. it right now. It does. Yeah. You're like, wait a minute, I have yeah. this much money? Yeah, and then you start spending it before you even get retired. <laughs> oh, you know? exactly, exactly. So there's there's something in here that um, I, I joke about all. I shouldn't say joke about, but it's kind of a philosophy that I have in my head. Is like I love guilt by association. So let's say we have X Y Z technology company that went down, and it's because of something that specific company did. But its neighbors across the street that does essentially the same industry went down because the first one went down, and the other one's in financial great shape and is not a problem. So I like to look at those companies because they're guilt by association. Mm -hmm. The first company screwed up, the second company didn't, but the stock price went down. I call that on sale. I call that a buying opportunity. Um, I kind of feel like Warren Buffett when I do that, except not as rich or as old or as smart. Mm -hmm. Well, you I know, might got the better looking just because he's in his 90s now, but uh, we'll see. I don't know. Warren Buffett, you know, you know, having money can impact that. <laughs> He's though. a sex. He should be on People Magazine. Exactly. Man in the world. Exactly. So in here, um, there, there's some opportunities that can be done right now. So this is an article by Mark Hulbert that pops up, and, and, and it's actually true, and there's a number of ways to do this. And, again, this is one of those things, chat with your financial advisor about this, because um, it, uh, the, the article is titled, Did You Lose Money in Bonds? Question mark. Um, how You Can Make Money From It. So what's happened now is that the bond marketplace has corrected itself because we talked about interest rates before. You know, bond interest rates are, you know, some 20 years have been artificially low. So with the bond interest rates being uh, essentially 20 years low, we've seen bonds for essentially that same period of time being artificially high in price. And so par is what the price of the bond should be. Let's call it 100 for sake of ease. And for um, uh, simplicity's sake, we've seen a lot of bonds for 10 years, 15 years at 110, 117, 120% of what the value should have been at 100. Um, I'm sorry, you know, 10, 15, 20% of what the value should be at 100. And, and so we look at this and go, oh, man, why do you want to buy bonds? And so I haven't probably bought physical bonds for clients in I bet five or six years because the prices are too high. We just couldn't get our yield to come out of it. Because in your yield, the amount of interest you'd receive every six months, you have to factor in that loss that comes down back to par. Because at maturity, you don't get 115 or 117, you get 100. Mm -hmm. That's it. So we just couldn't get the yields out of it. So we've used other investment choices that have worked out pretty well. But now, you know, because the 60-40 blend in a lot of portfolios, and if people would have bond mutual funds or advisor might talk them into, um, or over the course of the last number of years, and if you have a non-IRA account, again, folks, hear me, a non-IRA account or non-qualified is a proper term, um, you might have a loss that's already already out there booked. It's, it's done. You look at the price from a year ago to now, and you could easily be down 10 15% easily. And so the other time is, you know, before the end of the year, can we sell it and book that loss and buy something next year? Because when interest rates go down, those bond prices come back up again. And so... Um, this article does a great job in explaining what to do and how to harvest these tax losses, which is the term that's used. And, and folks, there's opportunities that are out there like this, and there's a few things you can do. Let's say you have um, the ABC um, bond index fund that's down 20%. 
Um, and, uh, you know, you want to sell it and take the loss. So you can sell it, take the loss. But remember, you got to do it by the end of the year. Mm-hmm. But you have to wait 30 days before you can buy it back again. So think about it. We are now on December 2nd. That is correct, yes. We sell the bond today. Now on January 3rd, yes, I go 31 days in case I screw up my counting. Mm-hmm. So on December 3rd, we could either buy that same fund back um, or something similar, and we own it still. Um, but we also now just booked our loss, and we own it still. So when interest rates come down, in theory, by people are saying in probabilities, by mid-next year, I'm not sure if that happens, but maybe sometime next year, interest rates go down. So now we take a profit, and we're able to book a loss against our taxes at the same time. So it's a way for us to at least make a little bit of lemonade out of the lemons from the bonds that we got hit throughout the course of this past year. I think a better place if we're looking at it from an income standpoint is to start looking at a laddered bond portfolio, which uh, we haven't looked at in this world for a long time just because of where the bond prices were. Um, but um, that's coming up and, and talk about it. Now we have the changes that probably didn't exist 15 years ago in being able to do ETFs in either treasuries or spiders or you know some sort of a bond funds that are out there and doing an ETF, uh, not much for income, but might still take advantage of of some of the, the losses and profits coming up with the interest rate moves. So in, in that case, you would have to be basically crunching the numbers to say, what could we stand to lose, of course, by selling before the end of the year? And what could we stand to gain, possibly, mm-hmm. if things do turn around by the middle of next year? And we're still holding on to this uh, bond price, but we bought it back at, at a lower rate. So that seems like, uh, first off, a lot of math that somebody like me can't do, which is where, again, we have to consult with somebody <laughs> like you, right? You know, think about it this way. Um, you know, again, non-IRA, non-qualified portfolio of a bonds, and the bond prices went down. And let's say you have a $10,000 loss in a bond portfolio. You're like, oh, geez, this stinks. But you hold on to it because, you say, well, if I don't sell it, I'm not going to lose money. I get it completely. But if you look at it and you say, well, um, I want to take some money out of here because we're going to do something with the kids or do a trip or do something for Christmas. And I'm going to have a capital gain of 10000 bucks. Well, you can say I'm going to sell the bond and you have a $10,000 loss, match it up with a $10,000 gain. You now essentially have a zero tax situation. Mm-hmm. But you like those bonds and you want to continue to have them in your portfolio. You wait until now January and you buy the portfolio back again. You're still going to own the portfolio. I doubt that interest rates are going to have any major change in the next 30 days. Mm-hmm. So that being the case, it may be an option for you. And again, chat with your financial professional, financial advisor, whichever term they may use. Um, chat with them about that to see if it may be right for you. Mm-hmm. And that's, of course, your specific financial professional, not necessarily walking into Merle Kelch's office if you're not already a customer and saying, Well, you certainly could do that. Advice. We just have a lot work, work and math to find <laughs> out where you started from, you know. Right. Right. Don't but, do it this week. Yeah, yeah, don't do it this week because uh, Merle's got, uh, again, he's got hunting to take care of. Uh, but but uh, all tongue-in-cheek aside, my the point is that there are you, you you may have your specific financial advisor who's going to know more about your situation. Well, they're going to have the math. And, you know? Yeah, so, simply, but, you know, Merle uh, at 715-845-2155 right now, which, who is one free phone call away from giving you advice that uh, – as the disclaimer says, may or may not be uh, worth the free yeah. price of the phone call. Um, well, God bless you. I hope you're right. <laughs> you know, we had uh, um, something kind of interesting this, this uh, past uh, couple of weeks. Uh, there was a mutual fund that was out there, and they didn't really announce to us as financial professionals that they were going to do this. 
but they decided to close the fund and liquidate it. And so in, in thir- over 30 years in this business, folks, it's the first time I've ever had this happen. A fund family says, eh, we just don't want to do it anymore. And so they just close the fund family, send everybody their money back. And the, the problems that occur from that um, is tremendous, not in a bad way, but the problems that occur is that now everybody gets this money. Uh, first of all, we start getting the phone call saying, well, why did you sell this? And, and we're literally going, what? So we're looking through our trade register. We never, we never sold that fund for you. So we go in and pop up the news. And say, oh, yeah, they applied for the Securities Exchange Commission to liquidate the fund. Uh, they approved the liquidating this fund. They liquidate everybody. Well, now you've got you know, a whole bunch of people that have this fund. And it's only a small percentage of the fund because of what it was in one, one day in the past. Um, they now have this cash, and they want to reinvest it. And you're like, oh, man. Because now it's just as easy, folks, to invest $3,000 as it is to invest $300,000. takes the same amount of time. But now when you have 100 people at $3,000, <laughs> it's a workload. So we actually had to uh, stop in our office. Uh, doing new reviews for clients for the month, unless we have to, because we have to get through this bulk of oh wow, hundred people at three thousand dollars. Some are more or less, obviously, but mm-hmm. um, but oh, it's just a, a lot of work and a lot of math that you have to do. So so going back to uh, uh, the the bond funds, uh, your financial professional they'll already have the math. Mm-hmm. We had to recreate all the math for this. I had to work for a living. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Man, this is how the other half lives, uh, Merle. Again, 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you've got a question for Merle, we'd be happy to take your call on the air. Uh, so that that, that kind of leads me to my next point, but I think I've got an idea of, uh, you know, what the answer already is. I was going to ask you, you know, what the, what the clients have been asking this week, but I'm guessing uh, with that story that you just told me right now, the the thing that the clients have been asking is, well, what else do you recommend I do with this $3,000? Yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is is about that, and, and part of the difficulty, and, and so thanks for saying that. You know, we talk about it in this program, we have, you know, for the 20-some the years I've been doing it, is about making sure you have diversification. So you want to look at this portfolio and make sure that you have enough inside of your small caps and large caps and growth and value and, um, and international and box stocks and bonds and, and whatever you have prescribed between you and your financial advisor or financial professional is the term we have to use. Now, whatever you have prescribed, you look at this and say, okay, some half, some cash in here. So what are we missing? Okay, we're light on, I'm making this up, folks. We're light on small cap. Okay, well, we'll put it towards small cap. Uh, the next person might be, well, we're, we're light on international, so we'll put it towards international. So every single client, we have to go through and do that through and see what, what does the client need in a portfolio based on where we initially started. Um, and and uh, in here, um, it just takes a, a whole bunch of time with these portfolios. Now, the largest question that we're getting as far as clients go right now is, can I retire? So we did not have that last year. We didn't have people saying, well, geez, can I retire or not? Because most people said, well, I'm just going to keep working for a bit. Mm -hmm. But now that we've seen the market come back a little bit, people are saying, you know, I think I can do this. I think I can retire. And that's probably the biggest question we're having, especially right now. Um, And especially with with the numbers happening over the course of this past month, people saying, I'm going to retire. I put in for retirement. I'm going to retire in January, February, whichever. Let's get prepared. And that's probably the biggest thing. And we haven't seen that happen in a long time. Yeah, and uh, you, you, and you have to make sure that you're not making a knee-jerk reaction with that as well. Because oh, yeah. when you're talking about retirement, you're talking about not putting any more money into that account because, well, you're going to be retired and you won't yeah. be making money 
and making sure then that you can live off of that and making sure that you can live off of that as a steady income and yeah. not just as something that happened because, uh, you know, something bounced and all of a sudden your account looks really good, but it might not look that way eight months from now. You know, Mike, what we're finding here recently, and, and for everybody that's out there, is that we're finding a lot of people that are retired are still working. And it's going to sound odd, but they're not working out with the job they had before. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a, a very good friend of mine, and, and either he or his wife are probably listening right now. Um, he was a supervisor, big manufacturing company, and you know, managed a number of plants, big stress job. Uh, but he's always been a hunter and a big uh, gun aficionado. So he retired, and he works one day a week in a gun shop. Mm-hmm. I said, how much money have you made? He goes, none. I said, well, why none? He goes, because I keep buying the guns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and again, it's something that will get you out of the house and get you some uh, sure. human interaction if you're if exactly. you're into that sort of exactly. thing, yeah, yeah. which is good for everybody when they're retired. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Who are we talking to? This is Jerry from Gleason. Morning, Jerry. How are you doing? Oh, good. And you? Fantastic. Uh, I have a question regarding the uh, law that was recently passed. I know it uh, extended out the RMD, and but uh, I also understand there was a change made in how it affects heirs when they inherit a regular IRA. I wonder if you could go into that. Yeah, that was part of it. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is first of all, Jerry. I have to uh, I have to make sure that I put my asterisk in here and and preface this. The rules seem to be changing again. Um, I had a uh, a client in my staffer came up and said, did you realize this rule changed like this? I said, no idea. Um, the rules are changing a little bit um, as our political parties want to get votes. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. So um, RMDs, which is re- required, required minimum distribution for everybody else listening, is the amount of money that you had to take out at 70 and a half in the past. Well, during the pandemic, um, it was changed to 73. And you know what? And, and that's just fine. It allowed us to keep the money in rather than having to sell when it was down. I don't have a problem with that. So it changed to age 73. So now at age 73, you have to start taking your distribution. So it just means that for those of you that didn't want to take any money out, you got a couple of years to uh, leave it in there. Now, it didn't change the actuarial tables. It's still the amount of money you would have had to take out 73 before. Um, you just... You know, don't have to take it seven and a half. That's the only rule of change there. Now, the difference in here is, is uh, if you passed away. And so my wife inherited some money in the middle of all of this. Um, uh, mom had passed away, and so she re- he's received it. And when she got the money, it was a five-year distribution where she had to take the money out entirely over a five-year period of time. So we began that. Um, and then it changes. It oh, now it's 10 years. And so now you don't have to take that distribution over a 10-year period of time. Um, and taking it down to zero. Now, there's still differences in rules uh, between a few things. Um, and this is the part that seems to change like the wind. It used to be that if um, mom or dad or loved one was taking the money out, now, not, not between husband and wife now, um, if mom and dad were taking the money out because they already reached age 73 now, and they were taking the money out, you could take the money out based upon their required minimum distribution schedule than their actuarials. Then it changed for a while and said you couldn't do that. Then it came back and said you could. So this is one of those things you have to ask. So if they were not taking the money out because they were um, before RMD, say 72, um, then you had that either five-year and now 10-year where you had to take that whole distribution. So in there, the best thing to do is whoever does your taxes, 
Um, they're going to have the stuff on a software sitting right in front of them with a click of a button. They'll be able to tell you the answer on it. I'm not sure if I gave any answers, uh, but at least hopefully I gave you some direction. Yeah, yeah. It uh, makes it clear as mud, but that's clearer than it was before. <laughs> well, there's always bourbon. There you go. Okay. <laughs> bourbon can be clear, but that depends on, you know, what additives you're putting into it. Yeah, exactly. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. If you've got a question for Merle, we'll have time for one or maybe two quick phone calls after this. But first, it's time for this day. Here's Chris Conley. 550 FM 99.9 WSAU and online at WSAU.com as well. As we welcome uh, Merle Kelch again back in studio for the uh, the first time in, it, this has been about a month or so. It seems to be about live. Seems yeah, yeah. to be, yeah. At least live. Um, yeah, on the radio a little bit. but uh, yeah. Indeed. Uh, it, we did have a couple of uh, remote from uh, up north. But, uh, you know, Merle, it, it, when you go up north, of course, everybody knows you're, you're going up there to hunt. Uh, how was the gun deer season for you? Warm. Warm. Uh, and that's it? Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, didn't see any deer. It was just warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, hey, that's uh, you, sometimes that's, that's what it's about, though. At least you got outside. You got to do something. You got the chase. You maybe didn't get the thrill of the uh, of the of the kill and and the spoils that go with it. But hey, at least you got outside. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with that. I I enjoyed it a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the beautiful thing I like about it is sitting there and seeing animals and birds and noise and mm-hmm. no crickets though. Crows. Uh, let it all happen. I'm good with that. Yeah, yeah. It's like the most it, relaxing thing in the world. Just, and Wi-Fi. And, and Wi-Fi. Again, if you've been with us from the beginning, uh, Merle has Wi-Fi at his uh, at his tree stand, and uh, he's even considering beefing up that Wi-Fi a little bit well, so I, he can. I have to. So I have better consistency. Yeah, and it, well, yeah. yeah, that's the only way you're going to be able to play Fortnite <laughs> on your phone uh, yeah. while you're while you're sitting there waiting for the uh, for the deer to pass. Well, mine's the, the the NFL app, so I can watch the Packer game. So I, I'll have. <laughs> My life will be absolutely perfect if I can get that to happen. Mm-hmm. So there's a, a thing, and ISM came in. So Institute for Supply Side Management, <clears throat> and this is an article that pops up, uh, and it is called the U.S. Job Growth Pickup on the Radar Coming Up This Week by Greg Robb. Um, so in here they talk about the ISM numbers, and ISM um, came up with their numbers, and uh, economists are expected that the service sector to grow up a little bit, the manufacturing sector, which came out, I believe, last week it was. Um, came down a, a bit low, which there's no surprise. It's been down 13 months in a row now. So what ISM is, the Institute for Supply Side Management, I like to uh, make fun of them um, because it used to be the National Association of Purchasing Managers, the NAPM. That, you know what it was. You know what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't sexy enough, so then they came out with the Institute for Supply Side Management. Much ISM. more sexy. Oh, yeah, much yeah. sexier. But you know what? You're probably always going to remember it now. <laughs> so essentially what they do is they poll purchasing managers and say for the next six months, are you buying for expansion or contraction? Um, that's it. More than 50%, 50% above buy for expansion. It tends to lead for economic expansion. If less than that, we tend to going to have a contraction. So for the last 13 months, the manufacturing sector um, is that been about, I think it was 14, I think it was 46.8, I think was the number. Uh, don't quote me on the exact, but it's that neighborhood just below 50. And so it's been that way for the last 13 months of manufacturing, no doubt about it. And again, I still think that this goes back to we're regressing to a norm in the society from a manufacturing standpoint because of all the oversupply, we're, uh, undersupply we're overfilling up, or we were filling up. Uh, but it appears as though the service sector is expected to uh, go to 52.5 
um, from a reading of 51.8 in October. So it looks like the service sector could actually be expanding, which, of course, is a good thing. And so I hope that, indeed, um, that is the happening, and it happens on Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. So that's going to be a number that people are going to watch to see if we actually have growth or if that starts contracting on the service side, too. And again, for uh, for the next few weeks as well, things are going to be a little slower because there's not a whole lot of indicators that are going to be coming out before the holiday. Of course, we'll be watching for interest rates uh, by the middle of the month. But I'm sure for you as well, the next few weeks are are going to be about wrapping things up for the year and trying to get out of the office uh, at a decent time in in time to celebrate uh, Christmas and the holidays. The, the one thing about our industry is is December is not a time that we actually slow down. We don't. We get busier. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so it sounds great, but the day after Christmas, then we'll be good. Okay. Prior to that, it's everybody saying, oh, I got to take out my RMD. I want to make an IRA contribution. I want to take some money out. Christmas is here, and so we're continually uh, busy all the way through and go crazy. Um, so, so we'll see about that. And then... You're trying to look for the numbers and saying what's happening with uh, retail holiday sales. Is that working mm-hmm. out okay? Year-end numbers, we talked about ISM. So we're trying to make some sort of a, a guesstimate as best you can on where we think things are going to go for January. So December is a busy month. Mm-hmm. I never get to slow down and busy. So if somebody is wondering where their, their uh, required distribution and what that needs to be, and they need to call you, how do they do that? Um, you give us a call, 715-849-3600 inside Owasa. You can stop in and give us a look-see, a hello, a hi, kick the tires at 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop in and say hello. Toll-free outside of the Wasa area at 866-355-5100 or find us online at kelsonassociates.com. We'll be back with more Making Financial Sense next week here on WSAU.